Good morning, everyone. This is Carl Savino with Corporate Gray, and the topic of my webinar today is conducting a resilient job search. Some of this information will be a review, but I think it's important that we cover certain areas. The first slide here talks to career transition resources. I want to make the point that the big three in this regard are the Department of Defense, Department of Labor, and Department of Veterans Affairs. DOD, Department of Defense, has the lead when it comes to the Transition Assistance Program. The TAP program was recently revised and came out early this year. The link shown on my screen is to that new TAP curriculum. So to determine what you would need to do, obviously you need to talk to, contact your Transition Assistance Office uh, for the Army, of course, Soldier for Life, Navy, Fleet and Family Support Center, and the like. And again, find out when that next TAP class is. In this COVID-19 environment, uh, some of the bases, I assume all, are now doing something virtually. For example, at Fort Belvoir, much of the material that's covered in the classroom is being covered virtually. Department of Labor is the organization that provides the training for the TAP program. Um, DOL has a wealth of knowledge and experience in this regard. The Department of Labor runs the one-stop employment centers, the career one-stops across the country. Every, almost every state employment office has levers and DVOPs in them. The lever stands for the local veterans employment rep. DVOP stands for the Disabled Veterans Outreach Program Coordinators. It's the DVOPs that work directly with the service members, the veterans who are in career transition. The levers are responsible for interacting with employers in that local community. The website that I show for the Department of Labor is the veteran-specific uh, webpage on Department of Labor's website, on the Career One Stop site. The Department of Veterans Affairs also has a plethora of experience, considerable information to help veterans in career transition. I want to highlight the VA for Vets program. The VAL stands for Veterans Opportunity to Work and the VOC Rehab program. So again, take a look at these different links. NRD, for example, is the National Resource Directory. So across uh, the VA's website, Department of Labor's website, there, is, there are considerable resources specifically related to veterans in career transition. There are many, many, many nonprofit entities that are out there as well. I want to give a shout out to Hiring Our Heroes and Hire Heroes USA. Both of those organizations provide considerable information, uh, both uh, virtually, most likely now virtually, as well as when the economy comes back, uh, they do events around the country. So I would encourage you to take a look at both Hire Heroes and Hire Heroes USA. Military associations. Um, I think it's important that you reach out to different military associations that you may be affiliated with. For example, two of the larger military associations are the Military Officers Association and the Non-Commissioned Officers Association. There are others like the Association of the United States Army, United States Navy, and the like. The website uh, that I'm referencing here on this webpage is a directory of military associations. So use this website to find associations uh, that you may be affiliated with. Oftentimes, these military associations 
have their own transition assistance programs. So again, a great way to leverage your military experience is to tap into those military associations. Staffing firms are responsible for helping their clients identify particular individuals with the right skills and experience for specific jobs. Um, we show here a link to various staffing firms. Um, some veterans have found success going to work on a temporary basis for a given company, do a great job, and all of a sudden that temporary job becomes a permanent job. Job fairs are great because of the face-to-face -face interaction that they give. Um, corporate grade does job fairs, as does many other entities. Uh, there are numerous job fairs going, around, going on around the country, although right now those job fairs are virtual. Hopefully in the near, in the near future we'll be resuming back into in-person events. So key steps. When one looks at the job search process, one of the first things you want to do is look internally. Do a self-assessment of your skills and interests. It's important to differentiate between hard skills and soft skills. Example of a, of, a, of a hard skill would be software development expertise. Example of a soft skill would be something like leadership, discipline, ability to work in teams. I would submit that all military have important soft skills that you bring to the table. A little harder part is to identify the hard skills that you bring. So what are those technical skills that you gleaned over the course of your military career? In terms of interests, the Department of Labor has a website called ONET Interest Profiler. It's used to help you identify what your career interests are. It's the mynextmove.org Explorer IP. So use that site to help you identify what your career interests are. In terms of company research, there are numerous websites out there to help you in your company research. One of the best known is Dun Dun & Bradstreet. Of course, you should also be visiting the websites of the particular companies that you're interested in. Um, sites like CareerBuilder and Indeed also have company research information, as does Glassdoor.com. So again, doing your company research, knowing who the companies are that are in your particular industry areas of interest, I think is important. Resume. Your resume is your corporate calling card. You want to make that resume look as strong as you possibly can. The standard resume formats are the chronological, combination, and functional. Typically, one would use that functional resume only if you're making a complete career change. In general, we recommend the chronological and combination resume formats. I would submit that the chronological resume format is best for someone with eight or fewer years of experience, more than eight, especially for those who are retiring after 20 years of service. I think the combination resume typically is the best resume format for you. Why? Because it combines your key competencies, your core skills, with a compressed version of your work history shown in reverse chronological order. There are other resume formats out there as well, like video, video resume formats, but for the most part, from our experience, we're seeing companies typically want to see a, com a combination or chronological resume. Another important step in that job search process is interviewing. I can't overly stress the importance of informational interviews. It's really important for you to reach out to people that you know through your military experience, people who you have served with, people who may have been your peers or your bosses in times past and are now who are working in corporate America. LinkedIn is the largest business networking tool in the country. The link that I show here is to that one-year premium upgrade that 
LinkedIn is offering to veterans. One thing that I've seen over and over, oftentimes those informational interviews lead to employee referrals. Here in the Washington, D.C. area, over a third of all hires are as a result of employee referrals. So somehow you look like a stronger candidate when someone who's working for a firm who, that, who is respected within that firm re, re, refers you into the company. So again, take advantage of those informational interviews. Oftentimes, again, they're going to lead to employee referrals, which are important. Another key area, key topic of discussion, key step, is that salary negotiations. Typically, we recommend deferring discussion about salary until the end of the negotiation process. Oftentimes, a recruiter will ask you, what are your salary requirements? Typically, they're asking that question not to engage you in a, in a salary negotiation process per se, but to see if your salary requirements fit within the position that's being offered. One way to tactfully answer this question, if pressed by the recruiter, is to say, if you will tell me what the salary range is for that particular position, I'll let you know whether or not we should continue to talk. So again, answer that salary negotiation question with tech. It's also important for you to gain as much information as you possibly can about what different positions are paying in different industries. In this regard, I refer you to salary.com and Indeed's salary, pay, salary site as well. Again, you've got to figure out what is the going rate for the skills and experience that I bring to the table. Salary is important. One thing I will offer for those of you who are retiring from military service, I would submit if the question comes about comes up about your um, your military pay in terms of your retirement pay, I would strongly recommend that you indicate that's not part of the salary negotiation process. So again, whatever you earned through your military service, uh, that that's yours, not part of the process itself. Some employment options. So I think when most people look out after completing their military service, oftentimes they look to defense contractors because many of those defense contractors are looking for people with military experience, looking for people with subject matter expertise. So I think it would behoove you to take a look at the 100 largest defense contractors. So the link that I show on the screen is to that list. Again, defense contractors are out there aggressively, proactively looking for people with military experience to bring on to work for their companies. Another employment avenue that I see of considerable interest to people in military transition are the federal agencies. The granddaddy of websites for federal agencies is usajobs.gov. Just be aware that federal agencies, some federal agencies are accepted agencies and will do their own hiring. Three of the largest employment websites in the country are Indeed.com, Monster.com, and CareerBuilder.com. So for those of you whose job search is spanning the gamut in terms of going cross-country, take a look at these sites, look for opportunities through them in your industry area as well as in your town or city. Nonprofits can also be a good source of employment for veterans. Um, Nonprofits often offer a very competitive salary. Sometimes the perception is they may not pay as much as some private sector firms, but typically they're going to pay a competitive salary. They have to just stay uh, competitive in terms of attracting top talent. 
So the link that we show here are to some of the best nonprofits in our country. Another employment option is to go to work for a service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. There are about 30 million companies in the United States. Approximately nine, excuse me, about nine million of those are veteran-owned or service-disabled-owned small businesses. Here in the Washington, D.C. area, there are many SDVUSBs. Um, I'll talk later about what some of the advantages are of, of working for a service-disabled veteran-owned small business. Another option for some of you may be to start your own business. I've been self-employed running corporate gray now for about 25 years. Um, Self-employment is an option, something you need to think through very carefully, and I'll have a slide on it here a little bit later. Some employment considerations. So these are kind of big picture issues from my perspective, is you may want to take a look at, well, am I going to be more working for, more comfortable working for a private sector company or a government agency? My recommendation would be look at both. You know, there are pros and cons associated with both. If you're going to go to work in the private sector, you may also ask yourself, well, do I want to work for a smaller business, a mid-sized business, or a large business? Some of those smaller businesses can often offer you a larger uh, role at an earlier stage. Uh, the downside of a small business potentially could be if it only has a one contract and they lose that contract, then where do you go? But again, small businesses have plenty of upside, lots of responsibility early on. Large employers um, tend to have more benefits, and you can also move within that company if it should lose a contract. So again, kind of kind of figure that out. Where does it make the most sense for you? Small business, large business, government, private sector. If you're looking at the corporate world, you need to identify what industry areas are the ones that best fit with your skills and experience. So do your homework, Google, look for those industry areas where your skills and experience are going to be the best fit. Here in the Washington, D.C. area, security clearances are really important. Why is that? Because many of the companies that are supporting the United States government are looking for people with a clearance to do the work that the government has asked them to do. So if you have a top secret clearance, especially a TSSCI, uh, that's a very valuable commodity, very valuable ticket, if you will, but coupled with the skill sets that those companies are seeking. So again, security clearance, yes, is important, but especially important, also important, obviously, are the skills and experience that that company is looking for. Corporate culture is also important. So, for example, IBM may be viewed as more of a button-up company, a more conservative company than a company like Apple that have, may have a more relaxed environment. So try to get a feel as to what that corporate culture is like. How do you do that? Through informational interviews. Commute times. I guess I'm sensitive to the commute times given here in the D.C. area. Oftentimes the one-way commute can be upwards of an hour. So when it comes time to looking at different job opportunities that may come down, that may be presented to you, I think commute is an element. It may be the case that uh, a job is 10 minutes away from you. They might be offering let's say $5,000 less, but again, it's a 10-minute commute, as opposed to another opportunity that pays you more, but it's an hour and a half one way. So you've got to figure out you know, how much value are you going to associate with your time. Time is money. Upward mobility. So oftentimes, smaller companies have a flatter structure and, and may have less upward mobility. If that's important to you, probably want to look to a mid to large size company where you can potentially grow and increase, uh, increase both, in, if you will, in terms of your rank, your, your, 
your position with that in that firm as well as your salary. Speaking of money, um, I think too often we focus specifically on salary, but really what you want to do is think about compensation. So compensation includes both salary and fringe benefits. Let's say, for example, that you start off at a salary of $100,000. Well, it's costing that company another $25,000 in terms of fringe benefits. So to be clear, even though your salary is $100,000, the company is providing you with $125,000 in terms of total compensation. Networking. Networking is key. Networking is really important. I've already mentioned LinkedIn is the number one business networking tool. If I were in your shoes, I would be maximizing my networking capability through LinkedIn. Military associations are great. another great way to, uh, to network. Oftentimes, military associations will have lunch outings, golf outings, dinner outings, and the like, of course, uh, in the future once we're past the coronavirus. But again, the ability to network with fellow professionals, be it via Zoom now or virtually, I think is important. So even though you can't meet with people who are members of that same military association currently face-to-face, -face, you soon will be. And for the time being, again, take advantage of the web to interact with those members of those various military associations virtually. Professional associations, what a great way to network with people who are working in your industry. So I showed here a web, a web address, a, a link to a directory of professional associations. Like those military associations, professional associations often have conferences that you can attend. Um, they'll have virtual events currently. Again, take advantage of those professional associations. Some of those will have benchmark salary surveys. So some of them will have job listings, job boards, as part of that association. So again, professional associations are important in terms of networking out to people who have uh, a similar background or working in a career field that you want to pursue. School alumni associations, be these high school alumni or college alumni, um, are a really good way to network. Uh, I know from my experience working in a college alumni association, as being part of a college alumni association, um, our alumni, as do all college alumni, like hiring other alumni. So there's some normal attraction to being part of a school that you had a common experience in. So again, I would recommend contacting the Career Services Office of those school or college alumni associations and ask to be put in touch with different other alums who are working in a particular company or industry that you want to pursue. Here in the DC area, there are numerous job search networking groups. It's a great way to informally listen and learn to other people who are in job search mode. Oftentimes, they have speakers. Um, well, again, these are normally done in person in the current environment, I think you're going to find that there are job search networking groups that are operating virtually. I have seen several here in the D.C. area that are using Zoom in that regard. As far as, you know, employment is concerned, oftentimes the metropolitan areas are going to have more employment opportunities perhaps than other parts of the country. Here in the D.C. area, for example, we have the United States government. Having the federal government here in the D.C. area really spurs many different employment opportunities, both within the government as well as the companies that are supporting the government. I think moving to a, an employment area, a metro area that offers many different employment opportunities is also important for the spouse. So again, if that spouse 
he or she has been following you around for the last umpteen years, uh, the opportunity for him or her to pursue other opportunities becomes richer when you're in an area that has more empl employment opportunities. So the D.C. area, as in San Francisco, as New York City, as San Diego, um, is a great place to work. The wages tend to be higher, but so is the cost of living, and so perhaps is the stress, so is, are the commutes. So when it comes time to looking at different areas of interest geographically within the country, I think you want to kind of balance some of these out. You know, where is it that the income opportunities are higher? Um, maybe stress isn't as high. Again, these are some of the considerations that I'd recommend you look at. Well, the Bennies here in the D.C. area, great school systems, as well as a plethora of cultural activities. Again, different factors that go into deciding what geographic area might be best for you. The long-distance job search. So for those of you who are looking for work outside of where you physically are located, one suggestion I'm going to have is subscribe to the Metropolitan newspaper in that target city. Typically, you're going to probably want to get it on your smartphone, a subscription to your smartphone at this time. And while most of the jobs being advertised through that newspaper are really being done online, getting a Sunday subscription or getting a daily subscription to that newspaper is going to give you insights into the goings and comings of that city or town. So again, it's not necessarily looking at jobs per se. Typically, that's associated with the jobs piece of their website but you also want to garner information relating to what's happening in that town or city. Um, I mentioned, again, long-distance job search, the use of some of these sites like Indeed and Monster. How you want to use those in terms of the long-distance job search is look for what, what companies are being advertised through those sites that have jobs that are of interest to you. Once you have the names of those companies, plug them into LinkedIn to see who you're connected to at those companies. And who do I know at ABC Company? that has a job in Dallas, Texas. So again, use the general employment websites to look for jobs of interest. Once you have the names of the companies, plug them into LinkedIn to see who your first or second level connections are within those companies. Chambers of Commerce, as many of you may know, about half of all Americans work for small businesses. Chambers of Commerce typically are comprised of mostly small businesses. If you're relocating back to, let's say, San Diego, Contact the San Diego Chamber of Commerce. Ask them for their corporate membership packet. It might cost you a couple dollars, but I think it's well worth it. So, again, my point is look at the Chamber of Commerce in whatever town or city you're thinking about relocating to and, and get their membership packet so you get a feel as to what companies are operating in that, in that locale. Same thing for the professional associations. I've already mentioned professional associations. But, again, who do you know that are working? And it's, this is something you can do from a long-distance perspective. I, met, I mentioned college alumni chapters as well. Um, civic organizations, organizations like the Rotary Club, Lions Club, I think are great. Typically, the members of those organizations are movers and shakers in their town. Um, obviously, you need to connect with them virtually, at least for the time being. But again, identify who the movers and shakers are within that community and uh, network with them virtually to kind of build a relationship. Social media. Social media is alive and well. So my colleague, Karen Durkee, who's on this call, uh, authored a book called Social Media and Your Job Search. It touches on, on different social media tools like LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and the like. You can be a member. Again, I stress the importance of LinkedIn. 
and, and the free upgrade that LinkedIn offers. But you want to use LinkedIn to be proactive in your search. You can join up to 50 different groups, LinkedIn groups. So join groups that make sense based on what you're looking to do in your civilian job search. Um, and of course, once you have that job, make sure you give back, provide advice and information that others will find helpful. Twitter, you might follow a company's jobs leads on Twitter. Um, Facebook, as we know, it's more of a personal site. Uh, just be careful, anything that you reference in terms of Facebook, make sure it's going to represent you in the best possible manner. Um, coming back to Karen's book, Social Media and Your Job Search, we have a link to it on corporategray.com. You're going to see a transition guide link. It's on that page. Job fairs. We've been doing job fairs at Corporate Gray for over 20 years. Um, job fairs are a great way for you to meet with a significant number of companies in a short period of time. Of course, the information I'm showing here are in-person job fairs, but let's talk about that virtually then. So even if you're going to be participating in a virtual job fair, I'm going to say dress up. So you, it gets you in the mental impression that you're participating in a formal event. So again, dress up for success, be it in person or through a virtual job fair. Refine your resume. Show your resume to others in that career field. Um, if you know people who are working for some of the companies, ask them for their constructive feedback. Again, leverage your network. Perfect your 30-second elevator pitch. Again, of course, that's the in-person job fair. But what you're going to want to do for the virtual event is type up that question. Tell me about yourself. So think it through, right? So when you're engaged in a virtual job fair, you're going to be interacting with company recruiters in the form of one-on-one -on -one text chats. So what we recommend in terms of the virtual job fair is type up answers to questions such as, tell me about yourself. Why are you interested in working here? You know, what do you consider to be your three biggest strengths, your three biggest weaknesses? Think about the types of questions that you are commonly asked at an in-person event and type up the answers to those questions into a Word doc or notepad so that you can easily copy and paste once you're engaged in that virtual event. But the networking you're going to be doing in this environment is going to be done virtually. Again, you're going to reach out to people that you know who are working through those for those companies through LinkedIn and follow up. So when it comes time to the virtual job fair, at the end of that text chat session or as you near the end of a text chat session with a particular recruiter, ask them for their email address. You want to be proactive in asking them for the best way to contact them. If they're comfortable giving you their email address, they'll do so. If not, they won't. Federal employment. We think working for Uncle Sam is a great avenue. Chapter 10 of our book is focused specifically on that topic, on finding federal employment. And again, to access Chapter 10, you would go to corporategray.com, click on the Transition Guide link. In the upper right corner, you're going to see we have a synopsis of each chapter of the book to include, obviously, Chapter 10. When it comes time to federal employment, again, the, the number one job site for the government is usajobs.gov. Every federal agency has a program manager whose job it is is to steer veterans into that organization. So the link that I show here will give you the names of those program managers, again, whose job it is is to help veterans understand the process in terms of applying for positions with the government. We have several different federal government agencies that will be participating in our April 24th job fair uh, to include the U.S. Secret Service, 
Central Intelligence Agency, um, Capitol Police, and others. The Department of Defense also has its own website. Um, there are about 20 different organizations within DOD, and the website for that is GoDefense.com. Military services have their own job sites. There are some commercial websites out there as well to help you identify federal employment opportunities that may be of interest. So again, Uncle Sam's a great employer. Um, I strongly recommend taking a look at both the federal sector as well as the private sector in terms of opportunities that may come your way. Money matters. So one of the biggest challenges I think military folks, including me, when it was my turn to transition, was figuring out what my skill set was worth. Let's face it, when you're promoted in the military from one rank to the next, um, there's no salary negotiation involved. Here's your salary. Um, we have a chapter, Chapter 9, of our book that focuses specifically on how to negotiate your best salary. So again, go to corporategray.com, click the Transition Guide link, and you'll see a synopsis of Chapter 9 in the upper right corner. Salary sites. We strongly recommend doing your homework. It's really important that you establish your salary requirements based on what you bring to the table in terms of your educational background, your work experiences, your, your certifications, your professional certifications. There are many sites out there to help you. We think one of the best is Department of Labor's ONET online. We like it because it crosswalks one's military occupational specialty into an equivalent civilian occupational specialty. And we'll show you, you know, a salary range for different different positions. So again, several of these sites, all of the sites that we show are really good in terms of help you identify uh, appropriate salary ranges for given positions. But one of the ones that we like the best, one of the best ways to glean salary information is through informational interviews. So it's important, I think, to leverage those informational interviews in a way when you're, when you're dialoguing with someone who's a, a mentor of yours or someone that you had served with previously, you or she may now be working for a Booz Allen or a Lockheed Martin, um, try to get a feel for what is a salary range for your position. You're not asking him or her how much they're getting paid. You're asking them, what's an appropriate salary range based on my degrees, my years of experience, my work experience, um, and, and my qualifications? So oftentimes that person will be able to give you a range and that will be very helpful and help you support your, your establishment of, uh, your, of your salary requirements. Self-employment, another option out there for some is to start your own business. Uh, I've been self-employed running corporate gray now for 25 years. It's a great gig if you can make it work. Uh, Self-employment is not for everyone. We have a chapter in our book, chapter 11. Again, that information on that through our website. You can glean the essence of, of that chapter. Service disabled veteran-owned small businesses. So as I mentioned previously, there are about 20, 28, million, 28 million businesses, companies in the United States. Approximately 9 million of those are veteran-owned. An important element of those are these service disabled veteran-owned small businesses. As we all know, the largest purchaser of goods and services in the United States is the United States government. Um, there are certain contractual advantages that accrue to having your company set up as a service-disabled veteran-owned small business. To become a service-disabled veteran-owned small business, you have to have some service-connected disability, and you must be the majority owner. One of the things about running a small business, getting it off the ground, is it takes money. The Small Business Administration can help you in that regard through their Veterans Advantage Loan Program. 
In terms of growing the business, if your product or service can be sold to Uncle Sam, you want to get on that GSA schedule um, and make it as easy as possible for those federal agencies to buy your goods and services. You can also bring on a partner if it makes sense. So let me switch gears. How can we help you? Corporate Gray offers, based on the way I like to say this, is Corporate Gray helps veterans connect with employers in print through our book, in person at our job fairs, and online through the website. So our book, again, is titled The Military to Civilian Transition Guide. As I said previously, if you're on our website, click on the Transition Guide link, and you'll see that we have a synopsis of each chapter of the book in the upper right corner of that page. Job fairs. So for the time being, our job fairs will be conducted virtually. Um, our next virtual military-friendly job fair is going to be on April 24th. The link to it is shown here. After that, there will be a virtual military-friendly job fair on May 28th. Um, we don't know when the in-person events will start. I'm guessing they'll start by September. We'll see. Corporate Grand Line, the third leg of the stool. I encourage you to create a free Corporate Grand Line account and then upload your resume and search and apply for jobs of interest. You'll also see that we have our job fair schedule on Corporate Grand Line, and registration for those events is through our website. Again, be it virtual or in person, registration for our corporate grade job fairs is through Corporate Grand Line. We also uh, distribute a monthly corporate grade e-newsletter that's chock full of good information. So again, I encourage you to go to corporategrade.com, uh, create an account, and take advantage of the free resources that we're offering veterans in, who are in search of their next gig, next uh, civilian job. On April 24th, there will be a virtual military-friendly job fair. Uh, the link to it is shown here. Um, these are the first 15 companies here. When you're on that web page, you're going to see we have all the companies listed. If you click on a company's name, it's going to take you to their company profile. If you click on the LinkedIn button, it's going to take you to their, their people's page on LinkedIn. In other words, it's going to show you who your first, second, and third level connections are at that company. We're trying to make this as easy as possible for you to connect with your LinkedIn connections. So simply click that LinkedIn button, and you'll see your connections at that particular company. Also, we're showing you how many jobs they have posted on Corporate Grand Online. If you're on our site, once you log in, click the Find Jobs link, enter the name of any of these companies, and then you can add additional filters to hopefully find jobs of interest and apply in advance. We recommend applying in advance to positions and then text about those positions at the virtual event. Obviously talk to them once we get back doing an in-person event, but for the April 24th event, apply in advance to some of these positions that seem to be a good fit with your skills and experience. And again, once you visit their virtual booth and engage in a text chat with a particular recruiter, let them know that you've already applied for a given position. Tell, tell them why you think you're a good fit. And again, you're going to have that typed up in Word or Notepad so that you can simply copy and paste that information into the text chat box. In terms of registering for the April 24th virtual job fair, you first need to create a corporate grand line account if you have one, just log in. Then you go to the menu bar. You'll see a job fairs link. Click it. Click the register link for the April 24th event. If you haven't uploaded your resume, you'll be prompted to do so. If you already have a resume in Corporate Grand Line, you can upload a more current one if you have. After you click the register button, you're going to be taken to the eCareerFairs platform. eCareerFairs is the website that we're going to be using to host this virtual um, recruiting event, this virtual hiring event. 
So two steps, uh, multiple steps. First part, again, is creating corporate grand line account, registering on our site, and then you'll need to do set up your account on eCareerFairs as well. Some parting thoughts, last slide. It's all about networking. At the end of the day, over 70% of you are going to find your first job and every subsequent job as a result of networking. I like to say networking is king. One of the aphorisms that I learned when I worked for Bruce Allen following my military service was to leave no stone unturned. Serendipity is alive and well. You never know where that right opportunity may be. So if something new comes your way that you haven't considered, be open to at least thinking about it. Anytime you get a chance to meet with a prospective employer, and I say meet, and of course in the virtual environment it's meeting with them virtually, but regardless, when you get a chance to, to interact with a company, make sure that you're highlighting your key skills and experience. Tell them how you're going to add value to their company. What is it you're going to help them do better? that's better faster or cheaper? What's your added value? Find a mentor. Find someone who's a, who's on the, uh, who's a mover and shaker within that company, somebody who's a rising star. What you want to do is find someone also, though, who will give you their time, who will help guide you at the appropriate juncture. When you come to a fork in the road and you can go left or you can go right, talk to that mentor. Share with him um, the decision that you've got to make. I think finding a mentor, having a mentor, is helpful in the military, and I would submit to you it's equally helpful in corporate America. Strike the right, right, strike the right work-life balance. You certainly worked hard in the military, and you'll be working hard in corporate America as well. So it's important you take time off for yourself. Make sure you set aside some time for physical fitness, for example. Um, set aside time for your family. So again, strike the right work-life balance to make it a good experience for you. Involve your spouse in the career decision. If you're married and that spouse is, and your spouse has been following you around for the last umpty ump years, I personally think you owe him or her uh, considerable input into your career decision process. So again, my point, involve your spouse, give him or her input, listen to what they want to do as well as what you want to do. Carry forward your core values and not your rank. Once you transition from the military, obviously there's no longer any rank on your shoulder, your collar. So it's important to remember the attributes that made for a successful military career. Things like leading from the front, treating everyone with respect, appreciating diversity. All those things that made you a successful military leader will carry over very nicely in corporate America. Be humble, be likable, be ethical. When it comes time to Going on interviews, be it virtually or in person, you need to convey that you're someone that they're going to enjoy working with. This is, this is a team that you're going to be with eight, nine, maybe ten hours a day. So I think it's important that you project you're going to be likable, you're going to be ethical, be humble. Be an expert in something. If you want to ensure your longevity in corporate America, be the go-to person in that company for something. Maybe you're the cyber expert, you're the logistics expert, you're the business process improvement expert. Be the go-to person, and you will ensure longevity within that firm. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. I would submit to you that the pedigree tends to be a little less important at this point. What's more important are the relationships you develop, the knowledge you've acquired, and how you're going to apply it in corporate America. Do what you enjoy, the money will follow. As we all know, life is short. It's up to you to make the most of the information, make the most of what you bring to the table. I salute all of you on this call for your service. I wish you all the best in your second career.
this point, I'd like to open it up to questions. Karen, if, if you will, please let me know if any questions have been asked. We had a question regarding fringe benefits. Um, they said, uh, retired military may not need medical insurance. Can you convert this uh, to salary, and if so, how? Yes, I think that's part of the sound negotiation process. I've been told that um, some companies will allow you to uh, will increase your salary somewhat for the health care benefits. It's expensive for a company to provide those health care benefits. I think average cost for a family somewhere in the $12,000 to $15,000 range. So I think um, it is possible to tell a company that you would use your TRICARE benefits uh, in exchange. So it's, it's a negotiation uh, element that you may want to bring to the table or not um, if you also want to keep their benefits. So you'll have to weigh that individually as to whether or not it makes more sense to also take their benefits or to say, you know, I've got my own coverage through my military service, I have TRICARE, and let's talk about an increase in salary in lieu of, uh, in lieu of my taking health care from your company. We were also asked, will a person's military skill set, their occupation, be considered considered limited after five or ten years after their discharge? Maybe. I mean, it, it depends. One, one thing you may think about is, have you taken any additional classes? Have you done any certifications? Let's say it has been five years since you worked in that particular skill area. Um, if it's something that you want to now pick up five years later, you may think about taking some refresher training or, you know, earn some certifications to bring up your recency. So, you know, you still have the experience, maybe a little bit dated, but I still think companies would recognize that you had that skill. You just have to be able to demonstrate that you haven't lost proficiency in that particular skill set. And again, one way of doing that is taking some classes or certifications that bring you up to speed. Great. Thank you. Um, one person asks, um, is the 24 April job fair targeted for D.C. or other locations? Many of the opportunities are in the D.C. area. However, several of those companies are nationwide. So companies like Lockheed Martin, many of the federal agencies have opportunities uh, across the country. So I think it would behoove you to participate um, even if you don't see a particular position in your state there there may well be uh, so again larger companies will have will have job opportunities across the country so i'd say it'd still be worth your while to participate yeah, thank you very much i appreciate everyone's time hopefully this has been a benefit to you if you have questions again please email me or call me i'm happy to help you have a good day